Do we just send David into outer space? I don't know what that means. What is the channel? Who's got a Skype channel? Is he turning a dial somewhere? <laughs> What's the frequency, David? Going with no backup. I believe the kids call uh, call this raw dog in it. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> there was an interview. I think it was the was it the New York Times or that was talking to people in the hospitals in New Orleans, and one person, I think it was a nurse, was quoted as saying like, "We're running out of equipment. Pretty soon, people are just going to start raw dogging it." <laughs> Yeah, someone sent it to me and said, uh, I don't think that's what that means. The new raw dog. All right, so how are you guys doing? And well, and also, I guess, what's what are we talking about? Uh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't seem yeah, like there's in much the news. happening in the world these days. I thought we could just uh, talk about that for a little bit. Raw dog it. Just raw, raw dog it. We could raw dog it. I mean, there's never been a better time uh, for raw dog it than the right now. Well, I mean, yeah. I think that's what Trump said in his press conference today. There's never been a better time to raw dog it. Uh, oh, did uh, is he still having those daily press conferences? I think so. Yes. Did he have one today? Yeah. Did he, I don't know yeah. if he had one today. He had like a meltdown on yeah. Twitter, uh, another one around the same time. He said he didn't want to do it or something yeah. like that. And every time I'm he does sure it, his popularity ratings go up. So, I mean, why stop, right? Or his approval ratings go up. He's at 49% right now. It's a very sane yeah. public. Yeah. A stable genius <laughs> in a sane public. Yeah, what could go wrong? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. What are you drinking, David? Matcha? Just ice water. It's like 95 degrees here. Uh, all right. I guess, do we start recording? Are we recording? Yeah, it's hot oh, here, I've too. been recording since pretty much I came on. I just walk around with a recorder all day just recording. Yeah. I, I mutter to myself, kind of talk, talk yeah. to the, talk to animals that I see. Yeah, I'm recording. Just kind of provides keep, you know. me plausible deniability. Well, it's all uh, content, right? I'm a content creator. Just create content constantly. Turns out I've been creating const, uh, content constantly, like you know, for decades. I just didn't know it was content. Well, the, uh, I didn't know how to it, how to monetize it. Uh, Unrecorded content is it? Is it even content at that point? Content, context. I've been What's creating context. Continents. Continents. Yeah, I used to just put <laughs> random objects on the uh, printer at, at like uh, yeah. Office Depot and just print it out. Just before there was an internet, just making content, just doing it, getting it out there, getting those ideas out there in the world. Ideas. I'm an I'm an idea man. Mm -hmm. I am a uh, leg man, <laughs> but um, you know, ideas are okay, I guess. 
well, and I'm now, I'm legally obligated, I have to say this on a video conference, uh, whenever I'm on a video conference now, I have to say, Klein ISD, the buildings may be closed, but we're open for learning. Is that an actual slogan they have? That's our new, that's our, during these trying times, <laughs> that's our slogan. Is it your sign-on or your sign-off? <laughs> yes. Um... Uh, well, it's I've been in like eight different I've been in eight different like Zoom conferences in like the last eight two three days, and there's all I'm I'm such a I am a fortunately unfortunately for me I'm a good teacher so I've become <laughs> I'm part of many departments, and I'm helping the district I'm writing lesson plans for the district, um, so I have to be part of many different calls and I have to see many different Google slide decks. And like every one of them, there's all like the buildings may be uh, the buildings may be closed, but Klein ISD is open for bu- open for learning. It started out open. Well, some people say open for business, and some people say open for learning. So. <laughs> the business of learning. It's the same thing, really. Yeah, learning is our business. And airways are negotiable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mankind should have been our business, but oh well. it's kind of interesting watching the rest of the world have to do um, Zoom meetings now. <laughs> After years of uh, being yeah. on the board and then of now being a academic overseas, like uh, it's like a everybody glad to see you on the Zoom. Yeah. We're using a thing called Moodle. Is that Mexican technology? No, I think it's Australian. Wow. Uh, but mm. it's uh, it's pretty good. It's a little bit like Blackboard, which I used to hate oh, when I was teaching in New Orleans. But I've um, but I use it when we were uh, evacuated for yeah. Katrina, and I, I used um, Blackboard. And this is pretty similar. Uh, I find it a little bit better in most ways. And, yeah, I mean, we, we switched over to online classes. We got spring break coming up in a couple of weeks. And the kids All I was right. talking to today were saying um, it's going to be the most boring imaginable spring break because they uh, can't leave the house. That sounds rad. I want that spring break. Um, <laughs> well, let's do this. And let me just ask you guys, like, what is it like where you are? Like, Chad, what's, what's going on in Houston? So in Houston, yesterday they put in a, a shelter at home. Um, so not not it's not a shelter at home, like stay at home. Like they so all non essential businesses have closed. Um, they've not. I mean, I think it is all non non essential. I don't know how strictly they're enforcing it, but all non essential businesses closed i think energy counts as non-essential as essential business energy is essential uh construction is essential and like takeout and uh takeout is essential um so yeah so we're uh and i i I don't live in the uh i don't live in the same county houston is so big like it kind of spreads out into another so i actually live in the county that's north of Houston, and we basically follow whatever whatever Houston does, we do. Flood. So, well, yeah, we flood, um, and we are staying at home. So most everything is closed. But actually, I think they're not in Montgomery County. Not all business. It's they they haven't closed all non essential. They've just recommended that non essential business close. And so, so that's why Kenny Rogers decided to shut down. 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, I mean, he said, you know, he said that the the best you could hope for is to die in your sleep. So, <laughs> yes, a man knew that's what, fold yeah. when to fold them. Yeah. Uh, oh man, now I'm getting diverted. I want let, let's. Well, we're all over the place anyway. Let's. Uh, I was going to talk about <laughs> Kenny Rogers. I forgot. We'll go, but we'll circle back to Kenny Rogers. You know, it's been a week of uh, tragedy and uh, horror. Uh, you know, in the wake of Kenny Rogers' death <clears throat> and his sleep at eighty eighty one. Well, so what's going on in Mexico, David? Anything? Uh, well, I mean, different parts of Mexico are doing different things, I guess. I'm uh, here in San Miguel. I'm not really that sure because I haven't left my house in over a week. Well, I, actually, I went out today, but um, I've been sick. And so yeah. I just figured I would stay home for the, for the weekend. I did. And today I went to the school since it's shut down and there was nobody there. It gave me a chance to get out of the building and, uh, I'm on the mend, uh, feeling a lot better. Uh, each day I'm like, I wake up with a little bit less fever and a little bit better able to breathe. But I assume that what I had was a bad cold or the flu. Uh, but I don't really have any way to know because they don't have tests here any more than they have them anywhere else. Um, right. Well, I mean, Korea, any more than they do in the U.S. There are places that have plenty of tests, but uh, yeah. uh, apparently not San Miguel and not uh, the U.S. But um, uh, there's uh, my nephew goes out to work every day, and he tells me that there's not many people on the street. When I went out today and went to school, I drove up to school. And uh, I noticed a couple of restaurants packed full of uh, uh, old gringos, which is seems like that's not the demographic that should be out uh, uh, pressing <laughs> the flesh, but there they are. Right. And then I noticed that my cantina was open and hit the brakes a little bit, but then kept on going. It's a uh, pandemic gentrification that's happening. Yeah, well, we'll see what if but the maybe pandemic reverse, gentrifies right, right. them. I think it might. Yeah, in Mexico, pandemic <laughs> gentrifies you. What a country. Yeah, I kind of had, um, I guess it's okay to talk about this. So I kind of had, uh, at the beginning of the month, I got really sick for like a week and was like really run down and uh, just couldn't do anything. Just felt like really lethargic and uh, developed like this really like um like dry cough my lungs felt like i just inhaled like a lot of smoke and then i'm getting better now but like you know i never had a fever or anything right i never and i never got tested because they don't test here either um so, well it's under limited circumstances and so like i guess i'll never know i don't know who knows well, did you take uh did you take like the aquarium well, drank, cleaner and like the original I drank our aquarium but like in our house we have a goldfish and we never bothered to put in a filter or chemicals he's just in a piece of tupperware with like algae all over the place so i just went ahead and down that and i have a really bad ear infection now uh so <laughs> i think i think i might have um maybe cured it who knows we'll see i mean it sounds like good advice it was in your aquarium like water goes in an aquarium, right? Yeah. You drink water. Right. Well, it's the aquarium cleaner. Like there's like um, right. there's like some aquarium cleaners have the same component as like the anti-malarial drug that uh, Trump was talking about. Like yeah. Trump was saying that you should take it with like the antibiotic and that yeah. would cure. That's why I heard pour olive oil into my um, car. 
I know that I'm um, I'm really betraying my trust to bring the truth to the people in this podcast, uh-huh. but I've actually been <laughs> trying not to pay any attention to the news or anything. But I did uh-huh. hear somebody accusing the president, uh, like her husband had died from taking some drug that is apparently not the right drug to take for this uh, outbreak. From the aquarium. And yeah, maybe he had drunk an aquarium well, or something. And um, well, yeah, I don't know what was going on. It's, yeah. uh, um, but apparently no, they, the president they, had told him to drink the aquarium. Yeah, she died too. Late after the quote. Yeah, I think they one of them one of them died and one of them went into, was oh, still in the hospital. I think she died, she died too, too after she gave the quote. Oh wow. Um, yeah, and then um, everybody's favorite uh, cool kids philosopher Ben Shapiro said, "How could they possibly blame the president for this?" After he said in a news conference that this is a miracle drug, was drinking your aquarium chemicals. <laughs> Man, hey, he's doing the best he can. <laughs> well, he's doing ex- the best I he agree. One hundred percent agree. Cut him some slack. How many countries have you run during a? No, they don't. During they don't um, let me do that. They don't let me during do that a anymore. pandemic. They don't let me like they barely yeah. they try to fire me in football manager and I'm in like the <laughs> I'm in like the second <laughs> league below below the championship. Like I'm in league two. I can't even run that. Yeah, so I mean in, in Japan now it's it's kind of odd because <clears throat> there's there's two schools of thought, basically. One being that Japan acted early uh, did very well at it and is kind of dodged a bullet, right? Um, and I'll go into more detail on that in a second. The other school of thought is that uh, Japan has no idea how many cases are out there. Um, there's a lot of people walking around, maybe asymptomatic, maybe a lot of people who have symptoms were not really showing up. We don't really know because they're not testing. And so we're about to, like, something very bad's about to happen in the next one or two weeks but we there's no there's no way to verify either of those things right which is true and which is not those are two possibilities that are out there and the government here says um and you know i don't i don't think it's a bad argument they and i'm not a public health person so but they they say that what they're doing is identifying clusters and then testing within those clusters, identifying the people who are in those clusters, testing within the cluster, and then trying to stop stop clusters from growing. Right? Okay, maybe. Uh, and then um, the argument against that is that, no, what they're really trying to do was uh, keep hoping that the Olympics would happen this summer, and they didn't want to robustly test because they didn't want to be seen as not being capable of hosting the Olympics. Um, but now the Olympics are not happening so that's kind of out of the way and then what happened yesterday was the governor of, of tokyo koike she um the cases went up by 41 people in tokyo yesterday in one day so if you know anything about exponential growth i which chad i'm sure you know more than me uh yes uh, you know you hit 41 in one day and nothing changes then you're going to be in the hundreds pretty soon right so for tokyo they've asked that people not go out if they don't need to um, and the kind of strange thing about that is, is that's, you know, you can ask people to not do stuff and like the, the workforce is asking other things, right? Like a lot of people have to go to work and that involves this Tokyo crowded trains, all of that stuff. But the hang up there is that legally for a lot of really good reasons, 
the Japanese government is confined in what they can do in commanding people to stay home. Because Japan, if you remember, 60, 70 years ago used to be uh, authoritarian, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, war state. So there's a lot of restrictions in the Constitution saying that the government doesn't have sweeping powers to tell people what to do, which is pretty, which is not a bad thing, right? Uh, but it makes it hard for them to just shut things down. Um, so for me, it's really weird right now because I'm constantly every day talking to friends in America and other places who, especially my doctor friends, it's just a horror show, right? Especially in New Orleans, where they've been at work for like a week, over a week now, like reusing the same masks, having to wash down the same protective gear, like no signs of any supplies coming and just the cases going up and up and up. And then like I ride my bike to work and like kids are eating in the cafeteria and sports teams are working out in the gym. And it's like, I feel like we're tempting fate. Here in Mexico, um, I'm not quite sure what the laws say about what the government can and can't do, but I took a road trip with a friend not too long ago, a Mexican guy, and he's doing some, um, I, the place where I live is a United Nations World Heritage Site, and uh, they're very mm. careful about here. about what gets built and what doesn't get built and one thing and another. And he was adding an extra um, floor onto his shop, and while we were driving, he received some calls uh, that apparently somebody had come by because somebody had reported him to the government and uh, they said uh, that they were going to shut down his construction and he was very angry about it and he said, I don't need permission from the government. I have permission from my father and permission from my mother who were both Mexicans and they told me that I can do what I want to with my property. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, but with his both his mother and father are, are dead now, and uh, he um, that's kind of the general attitude here is if the government wants to tell me what to do, they're going to have to make me do it. And so, on the on the bright side, people here are very health conscious in a lot of ways, um, not in the way that they eat necessarily, but um, you know, people wear masks a lot of times even when it's just flu season or whatever. And so uh, people are pretty good about the quarantine, I think, and also about taking precautions. Uh, when we had swine flu, everywhere you went, there was hand sanitizer and messages and all the rest. So I think probably it's okay here. I mean, no, it's not okay. I think that probably people are doing about as much as you can expect them to do here but not right. because the government told them to. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the same here. I mean, we live in, I mean, I live in Texas uh, where the government will not make me do anything well, over my cold dead, over my dead body. <laughs> but like, uh, like I think Waco is completely sheltering. Like they've completely like everybody stay home. Like shelter the government not be able to Austin. make you do things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that they've retreated into and, their uh, bunkers and compounds in Waco? They buried their school buses. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody tell Janet yeah. Reno. No. <laughs> uh, but Greg Abbott yesterday said, well, I'm thinking about maybe stricter, you know, doing something statewide. You know, if people aren't, fall if people aren't staying home, I might do something statewide. And so I don't know. Like, 
I went like Monday. La- this is not yesterday. What is today? Today's Wednesday. Like last week on Monday, I went out. Kind of like the last time I went out, like anywhere besides the grocery store. I went to, I knew, I have a friend who works at my gym, so I just texted him and asked him what it was like, and he said nobody, hardly anybody was there. So I went to the gym, and actually nobody was there, except there were old people. Like, there were, like, people, like, in their seven, you know, like, just the older people that always hang out at my gym were all there, all working out, uh, and those are, like, the only people there. I think there. those people were probably um, just but trying my to gym... throw themselves on the grenade, you know, to save the economy. I understand that the elderly are really happy to die to save the stock market. Well, I said I told I thanked them for their I thanked them for their, for their service. Um, well, look, I got to say I really, really uh, object to the whole uh, way of thinking of saying that old people need to die to save the stock market. But if all of those old people are tenured professors uh, in possibly sociology or related field, hey, go you for know. Him. For my economy, <laughs> circle of life, circle of life, baby. Or maybe they just want to, you know, move out of the field because it's dangerous now. They might get an infection from students. They might want to retire to their vacation homes. Could be. Could be. Maybe they can't figure out Blackboard <laughs> or. Um, <laughs> well, that's what you know. That's they what can... TAs are for. That's why they don't get paid. Uh, yeah, that's oh. right. Yeah, exciting stuff all around. Um, so just specifically about places, so I've been, uh, you know, checking in on Florida. Florida's new governor is Ron DeSantis, who's kind of, um, he's part of the Rick Scott, Matt Gates uh, cabal. Um, and he has said that they're not, well, the first problem was they, they were, well, you see it as a problem. The first controversy was not shutting down the beaches during spring break. And so all the spring breakers came. And I'm sure you saw a lot of the footage of people saying, like, well, look, it's only how, how I can't let them hurt my fun. Um, and uh, one of the, the Destin City Councilmen, who I, I know, Chatham Morgan, was trying to shut down the beaches in Destin so that people would not come. And he was getting all these pushback from Airbnb owners saying, like, well, this is this is really going to hurt my economy and freedom if you uh, prevent people from from coming to the beach. And I just assume that everyone in that demographic never watched Jaws. I'm just going to assume. <laughs> just reenacting the entire thing. But they were finally able to get the beach shut down. But, like, it was that was just kind of happening, like, kind of beach by beach around Florida. It was no statewide thing. I don't think DeSantis ever shut down the beaches. And then he hasn't... They haven't put in like a shelter in place order or anything for all of Florida where cases are exploding right now because um, he said it hadn't it hadn't reached every corner of the state. So I guess maybe he's waiting for it to reach every corner of the state. I'm not sure. My mom just texted me. There's 18 cases in Okaloosa County, my home county right now. So, again, um, exponential growth. There's 18 today. Right. Three days from now. How many will it be? You know? Well, thank goodness there's nobody over 70 in Florida. Well, that's it. That's it, you know. It's like, yeah. And, you know, on top of that, you know the demographic there is people over 70 who've been watching Fox News for for decades and who only listen to Trump and so are now, you know, what what advice are they getting? Like what, you know, I made sure like over maybe two weeks ago now to like, call my dad and be like you understand this is real right uh and i got him to understand the virus was real but he said the economy would be back in two weeks and i said well 
we can talk about that later. Yeah, in three weeks. He said we haven't seen the last of the economy. (laughs) Something tells me we haven't seen the last of the economy. Uh, Well, it's easy to say that when you you live on retirement. I feel like I saw the last of the economy a few years ago, but... But that's Florida. That's what's going on in Florida. Um, Louisiana, if you've been following it, is just nuts. I think Louisiana, New Orleans has like one of the highest rates in the in the world. I think. Yeah, I was looking at a map that somebody had linked that showed. The first map was just the number of cases, and the second map was like the number of cases per hundred thousand, and Mm -hmm. uh, things looked really blood red down there around uh, uh, New Orleans. Well, as you would imagine, right, because you have all of the conditions that would lead right to to a spread, right? You have a lot of a lot of poor people, a lot of people with underlying untreated conditions, right? And you just had Mardi Gras finish up a few weeks ago, right? So you had everybody in the country down in New Orleans, like in very close proximity to each other. Uh, so, in a, you know. It was funny, like a few, well, not funny at all, but uh, a week or so ago, all these people I know in New Orleans were talking about how they'd had this kind of walking pneumonia or like Mardi Gras crud, and they couldn't figure it out. It was just like, you know, post-Mardi Gras being exhausted or not. And one person I know finally got tested. It turns out she had had it for like four weeks. Um, and it's getting better, but like that's what she had. And she had gone to the hospital and been told like it was walking pneumonia. Uh, so I think it's probably a lot of a lot of cases like that. But, you know, I've, I have other friends who are doctors in New Orleans who have been for a week or so now just, like, saying in the strongest possible terms, like, this is going to be very, very, very bad um, <clears throat> and are already out of equipment. Well, they say that there's no cases here in San Miguel, but it's basically the same thing, a big population of very poor people, tourists coming from all over the world, not on the same scale as for Mardi Gras and not as close together as... Mardi Gras, but uh, at the same time, we're still eating in restaurants. We're sort of uh, ripe for infection here, and um, you know, it, it's very much like Jaws, where there's just the people who are in charge so much want to keep the cash rolling in that they don't want yeah. anybody to be tested. Yeah, I feel like I've said this before, told the story before, but I think it was David Halberstam. I'm trying to remember. Was it David Halberstam who like interviewed Castro a lot? I think it might have been. I'm not and sure. He, but he told the story about how Castro said his favorite uh, book on capitalism was Jaws. Um, and uh, Halberstam <laughs> asked him why, and he said, well, it would be impossible for us to understand here why you wouldn't shut down the beach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think that I mean, saying something even vaguely... Um, uh, positive about Cuba might make you unelectable, Wes. Shit, I'm already unelectable. Yeah. Um, and I also say lots of positive things about about Cuba. And negative things. And positive things. But they're doing very well. As they often do during these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you don't have to worry about, like, you know... I mean, we can go into this some other time, but it's just, like, one of those things that, like... When you have this ideology of the econ, the economy, I'm going to use the economy in quote marks, but it's something that has to keep moving constantly or else it completely falls apart. Like you should probably start to question like 
what is the economy, right? Like, what is that based on? It was demanding that you um, be in constant motion down to like the, the, the poorest person, right? The, the lowest paid laborer constantly have to be doing something or else the whole thing grinds to a halt. Uh, you should probably think about that. You should probably also think about um, what that means if the lowest paid worker stops working, it, it, it destroys your economy. The lowest paid workers should probably think about that too. Yeah, we'll see if they do. And and it was uh, I guess I was listening to the uh, the the Trillbillies brought this point up is that like when you when they start kind of pre when you when they start pre when they I'm using they in quotes when they start uh, preaching to like poor people it's like well you need to have like three months right, of say right, you know right. in case you lose your you need to have like X number amount of savings. Or, like, if you're a small business person, you need to have, like, be able to operate for, like, a year without making any money. Like, you need to have enough money to operate, without, you know, for X number of years. But then, like, you know, they, all these businesses are shut down for a couple weeks, and it's, like, chaos. Um, yeah, of, you know, of course, you know, they, what, what, biz, what businesses needed, what the economy needed to do was just not have kids out of wedlock. Um, I want to make a plug for one of my favorite uh, radio broadcasts of all time that's also an uh, anti-Castro sort of uh, thing, which is there's a really good podcast, you guys. I'm not sure if you've heard it or not, called When Havana Was Freaky. Um, It's not a podcast. That's not the name of the podcast, just of an episode. And they played it on Radio Ambulante in Spanish, but it's also available in English. And it's about a group of rockers who were sort of living outside of the law in Havana because they weren't allowed to be rockers. It's sort of like Footloose, except tragic because... They knew that there was this disease called AIDS and that if you got it, you got to go to a really posh hospital. And so they started, um, uh, and because the government there had withheld information about what it really was and what was really going on, and even if they broadcast it, the people didn't really trust what the government said about those things. Um, They, yeah, they infected themselves and it's a, uh, a weird and tragic sort of story. But just a sign yeah, that um, um, that Cuba doesn't have the answer to all of our our problems, or at least Cuba of the '80s didn't. Oh no, and like notoriously so on that count, right? Like the kind of uh, latent. I mean, all through the revolution, is this kind of horrible homophobia keeps popping up again and again and again, not accidentally, right? Because um, Castro and uh, Guevara were uh, horrible homophobes, right? I mean, that's. Uh, laced through the history of the of the um, the National Art School, right? Yeah. Where, uh, which was a stunning success, beautiful buildings. I'm very lucky to have gotten to walk through all those buildings. But that when um, when Guevara found out that Che Guevara found out that like it turns out uh, artists like to sleep with each other in all sorts of possible combinations, uh, he made them uh, wear army uniforms and march around on the grounds and stuff like that. You know. That's a cure. It's a, it it's a pretty well. sure cure. Yeah. Well, we know yeah, if there's one thing that, that uh, curbs gay sex, it's being in the army. Or the or in prison. <laughs> yeah. Or marching around in uniforms. Uh, <laughs> yeah. with, you know, stun- stunningly beautiful Cubans. Right. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, of course. That's always should be mentioned. Um, 
Well, I'm I'm kind of like just keeping up at all the stuff that's going on, like while we're talking, because one one of the things like about well anything that happens now, but especially with this, is like the news just happens so fast that everything just changes by the moment. So I'm looking at the <clears throat> I've been trying to check out the Senate bill that apparently is going to pass right now, and the more I read about it, like the worse and worse and worse it gets. Like it's it's cool. It's astoundingly bad. Like the if you read the Maxine Waters and Katie Porter bill from last week, it was excellent. It's about one of the best I could possibly imagine, and it disappeared. And now apparently, um, U.S. residents with adjusted gross incomes up to seventy five thousand dollars, one hundred fifty thousand dollars for married couples would get a twelve hundred dollar rebate payment. Okay, uh, and five hundred eligible for five hundred for child, but. People who don't pay taxes, such as those with very low incomes, uh, probably won't be reached by the program. So <laughs> the people who are out of work and need the money probably aren't going to get it. Um, yeah. Well, and yeah, also it's based on like your 2018 right. tax right, returns. which doesn't apply now. So, and if you didn't file, so if you didn't file, if like if you if you were unemployed and didn't make any money in 2018 and didn't file taxes for 2000 like you don't get it you don't get like you don't qualify for or, or the, you know, it's entirely money. possible you were making really good money up until this month right uh yeah and and now you've been laid off and the assumption that because you were making good money you have money in reserve is not true right now right at all especially in a time when like rents keep going up and up and nothing else does like pay salary doesn't right you're gonna you have a lot of people who have salaries that look good on paper who aren't gonna have money but essentially what they're offering people is my grad student stipend Right. This is this is my grad student stipend is what they're offering to pay people. And I can tell you it wasn't enough for me to live on in New Orleans. Like yeah. half of it went to rent automatically. Right. <clears throat> so if they're not suspending rent and they're not suspending yes. utility payments and they're not suspending student loan payments and forgiving loans, then this is really just nonsense. Well, it's um, it's what they want it to be, which is giving money to rich people it's kind of i mean are they even pretending that it's going to trickle down anymore or is it just like that they're just going to give money to rich people i think it is that and um you know the problem is uh and we don't talk about the national elections that much on here but the problem is for a lot of mainstream democrats who are saying just pass this now because they want to look like they work they compromised and and worked uh on it that's you know they don't really care that much about that either they want to get this out there um but it's you know it's kind of ridiculous and so i believe bernie sanders is saying he'll he's going to hold this up unless people who work uh like gig economy jobs are getting paid <clears throat> and tipped workers are getting paid uh and so but now a lot of people are like well why is bernie standing in the way of this but it's like somebody needs to like say something or do something about that right? well and i think like he got in the provision like the unemployment right. insurance yeah. uh like everybody can get 100 percent of their salary that they were making when they were right. laid off up to like seventy five thousand dollars. but like the republicans want to take that out because that would be more that's more than minimum like that's more than unemployment insurance so it's like yeah if if why why would people go back to work if they have this great unemployment insurance well, that program? was tim scott and lindsey graham and, today right so tim scott and lindsey graham senators yeah. from south carolina uh came out and said they didn't want people to receive unemployment insurance uh because it would be an incentive not to work um which is 
a bunch of things are horrible about that. But if you've ever had to be on unemployment, like the the actual like stuff you have to go through to get on unemployment is is harder than that. Plus, you have to be laid off to get on unemployed. You can't quit your job and get unemployment unless there's something that's changed that I don't know about. You have to be laid. You have to be laid yeah. off to get unemployment. Yeah, you have to and, be like, laid right off. And like right now, when yeah. when uh, you know, nurses and doctors, like a lot of people are working as hard as possible, like in some cases, like outside of the scope of their job that they're not ever going to get paid for. They're saying, well, we don't want nurses. It'll, this might make nurses uh, like walk off the job to get paid more. It's just it's an it's the mind is wow. the mindset that's existed in conservative and even Democratic politics for a while. And it's an insane mindset that, you know, oftentimes you talk about it like killing people in the abstract. But now it just is going to and <laughs> the not abstract in the least. Well, if somebody just explained that to Lindsey Graham, I'm sure he'd come around. I'm sure. He seems like a reasonable yeah. sort of fellow. I think he would. Very, very rational and reasonable. Very, seems to think these things through. Um, yeah, but I mean, I guess, uh, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but the one thing about this is it's so crazy, is like all the things... Like, especially, I've just been thinking about it in terms of, like, teaching sociology the last few years. We talk about, like, well, all this is what kind of really goes on, but it's kind of obscured behind. You don't really see. And now everyone's just saying it out loud. Like, uh, no, you have to go back to work or the economy will fall apart, right? Or you have to pay your rent because landlords, um, how else will they make money? Or, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And it's like none of it's obscured. They're just saying it. Like, we have to – you have to be disciplined by um, – by, by not not receiving enough employment dollars, right? You have that we have to discipline you into accepting low wage jobs. Well, I'm I'm wondering what the long term fallout's going to be of uh, um, not even economically, just yeah. in terms of um, how many people is this going to just make them so much more cynical that they're not going to vote? How many right. people is this going to? Um, sort of radicalize in some way and how many people are going to um, embrace the narrative that both parties are exactly the same and it doesn't make any difference who you vote for and it's all just uh, teams anyway because in moments like this it certainly feels that way yeah uh, uh, yes yeah it does um Right. And yeah, I don't think we know what, what the political fallout is going to be. And like, I keep trying to say to people, and this is a, a professional, my, this not just my personal statement, but a professional statement. I don't think people realize that we're just at the very, very beginning of this, right? It feels like we're like in the middle of it and we've been doing this for a while. This is not. This is going to go on um, uh, for a while. And I'm just talking about like the acceleration of deaths, right? This is just good. We're just at the beginning of it. And then the fallout from that will take place across months and years and decades right so um you know i it's hard to figure out what political messaging will work but i think it's in some ways helpful that it's masks off masks off time right and i wish it was a time that more more people in the democratic party would, would seize the opportunity to like represent uh working class people i think they need to do that quickly yeah The rich get richer, and the poor get the picture. <laughs> I just made that. I they just do? made that up. You should. You I should did. Yeah. Houston DSA and get a, a t-shirt. A t-shirt <laughs> get a, yeah. Get a really good t-shirt. I will. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, that's what's going on: Louisiana, Florida, Japan, Mexico. Um, have you have you seen any of the stuff about ten- yeah, comparing to Kentucky, you guys like that. the Kentucky like, uh, response? What's going on with that? Well, I mean, I think that um, some of the math's a little fuzzy, as they say, because um, Kentucky is less densely populated and a lower population. But at the same time, it seems that um, the fact that the Tennessee governor and legislature dithered and even went along with Trump and said, um, uh, this isn't really real. Everybody needs to keep doing business and especially going to church and all of that, uh, has had real fallout in Tennessee that is um, not happening on the same scale in uh, Kentucky, or at least it wasn't a couple of days ago when I was looking at this, but I haven't looked at it in the last couple of days to see what the numbers are. Well, I think I've read things like Kentucky, they're testing more people in Kentucky. Even though there are fewer people in Kentucky, more, just the number of tests in Kentucky is more, even though there are fewer people. Like, yeah, Kentucky is much less densely populated than Tennessee, but somehow they're able to test more people. And, you know, um, you know, and like the guy, what's his name? Bill Lee is out there saying, well, you know, uh, we'll get through this, you know, we'll tough it out. Whereas like Andy Bashir is like taking it more seriously and he's going you know he's having like a daily press conference and you know i don't know if they've gone to a statewide like uh shelter in place or anything like that but i know he's probably recommended it or something like that and because i see a lot of on my uh facebook feed i have a lot of friends uh that live in kentucky because i grew up like on the tennessee kentucky border so and they kind of end up they live in kentucky now um so they're talking like they love uh well the ones that don't don't think it's a conspiracy um love andy Bashir. yeah a lot of people like him like i was reading some of his statements and some of his statements kind of um bother me uh like as somebody who researches this stuff some of his statements kind of bother me but like if he's doing a good yeah. job uh, you know and it's working okay good I mean, I understand what he has to say. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff like, well, we don't need to bring politics into this, and I'm not trying. It's like, well, it is the whole entire thing is political. (laughs) It all is politics. But I understand why he says those things, and if that's working for them, uh, great. Well, and I think that um, one of the reasons that the graph, it was a graph from, I think, a grad student's uh, work that kind of went viral that put this in the news, um, is that there's a kind of sports rivalry between Kentucky and Tennessee uh, and people, you know, just sort of gravitated to it, I think, for that reason as much as anything. Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess. Uh, you know, one thing, so I'll, I'll give you this kind of the um, disaster research side of it. I keep recommending this to people. There's a, a book called Heat Wave, which is one of the best books on disasters by... Um, Eric Kleinenberg is a sociologist, um, and there's been there's been some quibbles with its findings uh, recently, but nothing that pertains to this. But uh, so <clears throat> he researched the 1995 Chicago heat wave, which you might remember uh, from that year. It, um, yeah, it killed a lot of people. And the main takeaway for me for that book is about how this kind of idea of doing like a body count 
Um, people think it's accurate and it's like you can get a number and that's what the number is, but it's not. It's really contested and it's really political and it all depends on how you look at things and how you count things, which are not as simple as we think. Um, so like, for example, if you have someone who uh, is like a chronic drug addict who's in poverty, who lives in an unair conditioned like back apartment room um, and they have lots of existing health conditions and they die in a heat wave did they die because of the heat wave like what what killed them right and so the people in political power not wanting to be responsible for things started arguing over counting things like that right so it was like how many what is it it turns out that like, you don't really know and i asked my my friend is a um i think is a forensic pathologist i think that's the right title in a major american city and i was asking him about this right now and he said well you've got like lots of bodies that are in, but like we don't test dead bodies for whether they had the coronavirus or not. Like we're not really checking, right. you know. And it, he said that the one interesting thing I thought, really interesting thing I thought was that they'd had a huge influx of, of dead bodies, but it wasn't from the virus. It was because people started checking on their neighbors and relatives. Think about that one for a second. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, right. So I think. <laughs> You know, these comparisons are interesting to look at and are are helpful, I think. But we also have to keep in mind, like, um, what's getting counted, who's getting counted, like, how are they counting it? Uh, I don't know. And that's part of the controversy in Japan, too, because, like, um, as my wife pointed out, like, uh, pneumonia kills a really, really large amount of people in Japan because we have a very large elderly population. I think it's like 90,000 people a year die of pneumonia here. And so it's like, are you going into every nursing home and saying this 97 year old that died of pneumonia didn't die of this kind of pneumonia? Like, I don't you know, I don't know how we we count that stuff. Well, talking but, about underlying conditions, I, I remember uh, um, that Kentucky adopted Obamacare, too. Right. Um, no, it's sort huge, of famously yeah. for a southern yeah. state uh, to adopt right. Obamacare at the time was a little bit shocking to people. And I think they set up their own version of the exchange and everything, but they basically adopted Obamacare. So I wonder about, I have no idea if the underlying general health of Kentucky was better than Tennessee or if it had anything to do with that. But certainly I think that that shows that Kentucky was taking health care more seriously than, well, Tennessee had done 10 care uh, probably 20 years before that, and it was falling apart or had completely fallen apart by the time uh, uh, Obama was yeah. uh, 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 passing the Obamacare thing. But, um, yeah, I wonder if that has anything to do with it, uh, uh, too, about what the underlying health in general of Kentuckians is uh, compared to Tennesseans. Yeah, I mean, and of course, like, yeah. I think, like, that's going to be a huge deal if you... If you live in a country, in many cases, or a state that has like a robust healthcare system, right? Like one thing is that you are accustomed to using it, right? Like how many people in Tennessee have a fever right. and automatically assume I can't go to the doctor, right? Like that would be, my, you know, in for many years of my life, that would be what I think too, right? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the very nice things about being in Japan right now is there's no barrier between me thinking like I don't feel well and I need to go to the doctor, right? That's you just do those things because it's not going to put you into bankruptcy uh, and you have the ability to do it. So I definitely think that is going to be a factor, not only between countries, but between states and America, 
the, you know, that's in Louisiana, you know, uh, electing John Bell Edwards, he did the, the um, Medicare buy-in, which uh, is very helpful for me and my family and is being very helpful for a lot of people right now, I'd imagine. When it's not a crisis in mm -hmm. Japan, how long do you have to wait to get to the doctor for something like a fever or a bad cough? Ten minutes, I don't know. So like walk-in clinic sort of situation? Yeah, here's the thing I was trying to explain to you. So most hospitals in Japan are not like giant hospitals like we think of them. They're just like all around your neighborhood. There's different kinds of like uh, this doctor owns like this. This is their clinic. Like Tanaka's ear, nose, and throat, right? Things like that. Oh, okay. We've so got it's that not... kind of down here in Mexico, too. I've got a OBGYN yeah. and a psychiatrist and a podiatrist who are all in the same office downstairs from me. Right. It's like that. And, like, there are big hospitals. That's another thing. But, like, it's mostly just, like, uh, privately owned, uh, like, different specialties. But the um, – and it's not – single payer in Japan. There's confusion about this. It's universal coverage, but it's through different means. But there is a government insurance, which I'm on, which is really easy. Most people are, I think most people are on. Uh, it's pretty easy to get in. It's, I mean, it's absolutely easy to get into. You just move and go to your neighborhood office. Uh, but, you know, if you have insurance in Japan, you can go to any hospital, clinic, dentist, anything that's anywhere, any, any time, right? Uh, you know, so if it's something like uh, the dentist, they might like say, oh, we're really busy next month for like a cleaning. Could you come in the month after that? Like it might be something like that. But if you have a fever and are sick, you can just go. Uh, so I'll give you an example. We had this weekend. We had a very exciting weekend. I had to record um, an interview for something else. So I came to my office. I rode my bike home. I opened the door and my eight-year-old is standing at the doorway crying. Uh, and he said, uh, Ryoma, which is our three-year-old, he said his name, and I thought, oh, my God, something horrible is happening. So I run down the hall, bust the door. Ryoma's on the ground with a towel on his head, and there's blood everywhere, right? Like, oh, God, what happened? Huh. And um, my wife's on the phone, and I was like, well, look, just we get him to the emergency room. Uh, so there's a big Red Cross hospital with a big emergency room. And so she went downstairs, hailed the taxi, uh, got him to the emergency room. Um, I stayed home cleaning blood, calling me down the eight-year-old. But... They went to the emergency room, like waited 10 minutes, 15 minutes, got into the doctor. Uh, the doctor looked at it, cleaned it out, all that stuff. Got three stitches, sent home. The whole process maybe took an hour and a half, and it cost $15 total. And we get that $15 back at the end of the month. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to say something to jump back for just to give yeah. credit where credit's due. The woman who put the uh, chart together, the Tennessee versus Kentucky chart, is a woman named Stephanie Jolly. And she has a degree in biology and nutrition from the University of Kentucky and a master's degree in food science from NYU. And she was sitting around waiting for a... Uh, I think some sort of thyroid operation, and she just put the data together as a way to try to convince people to stay home. Uh, so just so that um, I said I thought it was a grad student or something, it wasn't, but uh, a woman named Stephanie Jolly who put it together and put it out there. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, that was uh, <coughs> that might be uh, a good stopping point for today, um, and that was kind of our completely unstructured 
accounts of this, but it's been kind of a crazy week. Um, and we're talking about, since a lot of people are stuck at home, we might start doing some more random episodes uh, to, to put out there if you're bored and like listening to us. Like I said, I'm just constantly generating content all day long. Yeah. I have a pretty busy day. Tomorrow I'm going to the uh, the Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> and then I have a pool party to go to. So I saw the, the Cheesecake uh, Factory are comrades now. Did you see that? <laughs> so, they just announced yeah, they won't be paying they their refusing rent for going forward. So, uh, <laughs> solidarity with the Cheesecake Factory. So we got Britney Spears in the Cheesecake Factory now. Comrade Britney. Yeah. Comrade right. Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. I'm going to be eating exclusively at the Cheesecake Factory. Listening to Britney Spears. Britney, listening to Britney Spears, yes. Interesting. Uh, all right, well, I'll talk to you guys next time. All right, it's great to talk to you guys. Um, right. Take care. Yeah, wash take your care. hands. Stay set. Wash your hands. <laughs> yes. Wash your hair. Uh, you were always sort of a germ guy. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs>